God touched him. Because he, he could hear much better after that. And the girl traveling with, with him, uh, she turned out she's going to Cape Town. She's a TikToker. She's a, she's a teenager. And, uh, and Omar tells her about, ah, we've got this video that made 150,000 views. And uh, he says, uh, and I've got 1,000 followers on Instagram. Is that a lot? And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, it turns out she's got 1.5 million followers on, on TikTok. But anyway, we're trusting that Faye really encountered Jesus on Friday. Um, hallelujah. Let, let's just pray together. God, we really just absolutely love your presence. And we're so thankful to know that tonight when we gather together, it's not just us who are in the room, but you are in the room here with us. And above everything else, Lord, we want to meet with you tonight. We desire to encounter you. We desire to, to see those eyes that blaze with fire. We want to be made aware of your holiness of your goodness, of your kindness. We ask that you'd speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in our hearts. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you touch every heart, every life? We don't want to leave this place the same. We want to be changed. Come and change us. Come and shape us. Come and mold us. May we look more like Jesus. That is our desire, God, is to look more like Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the hope that you're wanting to restore tonight. Where there was hopelessness, God, that you want to restore hope. Where there was heaviness, you want to give joy. We pray, God, for your joy to come and manifest amongst us tonight. Open our spiritual eyes so that we can see. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry to the worship team. I cut you off a little bit, a little bit short tonight, but uh, with, I really want us to, to worship at the end, so please don't go away too quickly tonight. Don't head for the coffee too quickly. We, we're going to have a great time of worship at the end. Francois, thank you for your ministry. Always amazing. And everybody else, Abby, everybody in the team. So as I almost said, uh, we, we had a, three days together in Potch, just outside Potch. Uh, the Fine Fragrance have, team have a, a DTS where they train students um, to, to go out into the world just about 30 minutes outside Potch, and we were there on a farm. Uh, I think there's, Hannes, you can actually show there's a couple photos there uh, of where we were. So, so Alma went to go do some deliverance training, and I went to carry his suitcase. And because uh, he's broken his arm, I was there to cut his stake. <laughs> Literally on, on when was it on Thursday night? Gabe ga took us out for for one kg steaks, and I, I cut most of that one kg for for Omo. I've got his back, <laughs> and uh, it was just such a profound time. Really, I'm most of what I'm sharing tonight is just my life changed the last few days, and I'm just sharing some testimonies of what God's doing in my heart and what I believe God is wanting to do amongst us, and so. It's about, as I almost said, about 80 people, mostly very young, uh, a lot of them just out of school. Some of them absolutely clueless, but they love Jesus. They love Jesus with everything, passionately. They are so hungry to encounter the Holy Spirit and to encounter and to receive everything that God has for them. 
I was just so impacted by that. It's like, I don't want anything else. I just want you, Jesus. They are there to be raised up and to be sent out all over the world. So really a beautiful uh, group of people. And as I mentioned, Arm was, was doing deliverance training. And then, uh, of course, that led into people being delivered. And uh, that was also just a wild and amazing experience. So, so I've experienced, well, I've seen a lot of kind of deliverance in, in things like Encounter 4. Really want to encourage you, our super week that Luke nearly forgot to mention. Uh, that's coming up. You know, Encounter 3 and 4, inner healing and deliverance. It's so powerful. If you haven't done it or if you, even if you just need to do it again, please come and join us. Um, but I just saw again the power of the name of Jesus and the authority that, that Jesus has given us. So I kind of as he was, he was doing training and then at one point he, he wanted to do like an example. Sorry, Om, I'm sharing all your good stories tonight. Uh, I've got the mic tonight, so sorry. So there's a, so in the, the kind of, uh, kind of you, so that everybody can see it, he, he asked, there was a girl who on the Wednesday night already kind of started really manifesting. And he asked her if she would be willing to, to sit there and experience deliverance so all of these 80 young people can, can kind of watch and learn. And uh, it was incredible. It was, it was, it was like watching a movie. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it took an hour. Um, and it's just demon after demon that was, that was going at the name of Jesus. And you can imagine these young people, they are like in this thing. So, <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there's moments where, where the... This, uh, the demons through this girl are like screaming at Omo in his face and he just says be quiet and then mm, her lips are like literally sealed she cannot she, she can't scream anymore and then the crowd goes whoa <laughs> and then there's a there's kind of a little bit of resistance a little bit of resistance and then a demon goes you can see it's gone and the crowd cheers and then there's another like moment of like of just kind of working through through this, and uh, myself as a as a dad of daughters, I and I was I felt so emotional through this hour because I'm watching this beautiful 18, 19 year old girl, and it just breaks my heart that for so long she's lived with this oppression. You know, demons of self hate, and demons of shame, demons of pornography, and generational curses, things that have happened on her farm, you know, sacrifices that have made all these things that. That have, that have kept her captive, but as much as it broke my heart, it also, I just, the amount of joy, the, 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 the overriding kind of uh, experience with deliverance is just the love of the Father. It's just so amazing to see how much God loves us and that we've got authority over these things. And so, you know, it was, as I say, about an hour Towards the end, he, he, he felt to ask her three or four times, you know, um, allow Jesus to take you to your heart and look at your heart. Is your heart clean? And about three times, she just said, no, my heart's not clean. But the, like the third or the fourth time, after another bit of, you know, more things going, more things going, the third or the fourth time, is your heart clean? She said, yes, my heart is clean. And the crowd went ballistic. <laughs> it was just so beautiful. That is what God came to do. God came to make our hearts clean. Like I read a little bit earlier in Romans 5, He came to create peace between us and God, to wash away all of that stuff that the world and the devil wants to, wants to place in us. And so, 
the, the last thing I just want to share from our, our time in Poch was I had the most incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, so on the Wednesday night, I, I, I went to, to lead worship. I did two short sets of about four hours each. <laughs> and um, at the end of the, the Wednesday night, um, or the Thursday morning, Omar asked me, so by the way, did you experience the Holy Spirit in your body last night? And I said, no, not really. You know, I, I really experienced His presence and His leading, but didn't really experience much in my body. And then God was like, okay. <laughs> All right. And, um, and basically later that morning, the, the students divided into two groups, half prayed for Omar and half prayed for me. And wow, the Holy Spirit just smacked me down. It was just such an awesome encounter. You know, one where I, like, I, I couldn't stand. I was crouching down on the floor. I got the shakes and everything. But just, wow, I, I haven't had something like that for, for such a long time. So many years. I'm just, and uh, through the whole, it, I don't know how long they prayed for me, but I was just crying and crying and crying the whole way because God, what God, it was good tears. It was good crying. I, God basically, He took me back over the, the kind of the story of my life so far. So I'm... Next month, I'm turning 37. But from a young age, when I was about two or three, my mom tells me that I was singing these songs of Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Nobody taught me these songs, but it's just, it was the song that I believe the Holy Spirit must have birthed in my heart from the age of two or three. Jesus is coming back soon. When I was about nine, uh, there was a, in 94, 95, there was a big, you know, there was the Toronto, things going on in Toronto and a, our church uh, in the Natal Midlands, tiny little church, and God is really moving as well. Uh, and I remember these services as a nine or ten-year-old of people kind of coming to the front and then they were falling over and, and really experiencing God. I was terrified. <laughs> I, I did not want to go to the front. I wasn't going to. And then my mother, as a good charismatic mother, dragged me to the front. <laughs> Anybody with a charismatic mother like that, he will drag you to the front. Um, and so, and I, I, I remember going to the front and wow, I just smacked the floor and I really encountered God and something powerful, which I realized now on Thursday when these people were praying for me is after that, it was after that, that I had this desire to pick up a guitar and start to play a guitar. And from the moment I started playing guitar at the age of 10, I was writing songs. I didn't, it didn't come later. It was from the moment. And I suddenly realized, you know, it's after that encounter with the Holy Spirit that God set me on the path that is really my calling, is worship and songwriting. And uh, a, few, a couple of years later, we moved to Plettenberg Bay down the road, and I remember being at youth, and for hours, like a room full of this, like a room full of people like this, we would be just everybody on the floor, encountering the Holy Spirit, laughing and going crazy, and just God really touching us, and God really ministering to us. So I've got such a soft place in my heart for youth because I know what youth did for me. And, um, and maybe you're sitting here tonight and maybe you can't identify with my story and, and how I grew up, but what I want to encourage you with, how incredible that our children get to grow up in an environment like this, where our children get to experience the reality of Jesus and the reality of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it happens at Kids Church. It happens on Thursday nights with Rikus and the youth. And also so powerful for them to see us as their older community. Maybe you don't have children of your own, but us as the, the community, of, community of God 
experiencing the reality of Jesus and the reality of the Holy Spirit. And then just lastly, as I was lying there on the floor weeping, uh, God also just showed me how much I love this country. How much I love South Africa and how much my heart breaks for this country. We live in the most beautiful, messed up country in the world. It's just this, it's this land of contrast where there's, there's, there's so much baggage, there's so much division, there's so much hatred, there's so much bloodshed, but there's so much beauty and there's so much joy and there's so much redemption that God wants to bring. And I truly believe that each one of us are born and we're living here not to think about, oh, I wish I was in New Zealand, but because God has called us to be in this nation. Because God wants to move in our nation, and God is going to use South Africa as a testimony to the world. I truly believe that. Because if God can save and redeem South Africa, He can do, any, he can do it anywhere. If God can bring the different people groups of this nation together so that we are united, so that we are one church, one bride, He can do that anywhere. And uh, through this experience of, of weeping on the floor, I just realized in my heart, in the deepest part of my heart, the thing that I want more than anything else, and in fact that I've always wanted since the age of two, is to see revival. And you know, the seasons of my life have, have, come, have changed, have come and gone in different places that I've lived, and uh, I'm a father, I've, uh, I'm married, all of these, and there's... there's Beautiful godly desires that come and go. There's sometimes fleshly desires, you know, like the normal, I want a nice salary and a nice house and a nice job, all those things, which aren't bad in themselves. But I, I just realized again, on the deepest level, God, I want to see revival. Is there anyone else who wants to see revival? And that's why we're here, is to see revival. We're not here to play church. We're here to see God move. And almost shared amazing stories last week. I want to encourage you, if you weren't at the sermon um, go and listen to it online, just stirring our faith with, with what God has done in the past. And when we're speaking about revival, we're speaking about God coming to visit us, God coming to pour Himself out amongst us, where there's a move of God, where there's a conviction of sin. There's that famous sermon from one of the previous revivals of sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, there's this when we are in the presence of God, we, and I know that can be misunderstood, but don't misunderstand it. When we're in the presence of God, when we experience the fear of the Lord, we realize that I'm not supposed to be here, but because of Jesus, because of His perfect work on the cross, I'm able to be here. So in revival, there's repentance of sin. There's a turning away from things in the past. There's an encounter with the love of the Father. There's an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit, which I believe I really experienced this week. The power of the Holy Spirit, where He, he can change the course of a life in, in a moment. And, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in, in healing and in miracles and in signs and wonders. These are all things that we're excited about, where, where people get delivered from demons just in the presence of God. When revival comes, we will grow in a love for God and a love for one another, which means that the world cannot be the same again. If we, if we begin to radically love our families the way that Jesus loves us, our families are going to change. And if our families change, then our communities change. If our communities change, 
our city changes, if, the, if George changes, the garden roof changes. If the garden roof changes, the Western Cape changes. If the Western Cape changes, our nation changes. It's these ripple effects of what happens when people begin to radically love God, when He pours Himself out upon us. And that's, that's why we speak about revival and reformation, because revival doesn't just stop with the signs and wonders. It always leads to reformation, where we come back to the original design that God has for us where the kingdom of heaven is established here on earth. That's what Jesus came to do 2,000 years ago. He was the first revivalist, in a sense, coming to initiate revival, coming to change everything. And sometimes we are running with that, in, that vision of Jesus and that desire to see it happen in our lives. And sometimes we're just distracted. Sometimes we're building his kingdom, and sometimes we're building our own kingdoms. And so that's what we're asking for now is we're asking God, come and revive us. We want to see your kingdom established. And um, I love, there's this little phrase in Acts 17. Paul and Silas were, were um, speaking in Thessalonica, and they, they got into a bunch of trouble. A whole lot of people came against them, and they managed to, or kind of causing a riot in the city, and they managed to get away. But it says, and when they couldn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities. So that's some of the, the, the believers who were with Paul and Silas. Shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Isn't that a great definition of revival? Isn't that a great mandate for us as believers? That is what we are called to do. We are called to turn the world upside down. We're not called to live according to the status quo. We're not called to go with the current of the world. We are called, we are mandated to turn the world upside down. Imagine people had to say that of our community here at Shofar George. Those people turn the world upside down. That's when we understand the kingdom um, that must come. And uh, with, this, with this encouragement and with this message tonight, I just really sense to say prophetically that we are so close to revival. We are so close to revival. We are on the edge of it. We are scratching the surface of it. And we're seeing glimpses of it. We truly are. I truly believe that we're seeing glimpses of it. There's time, I don't know about you, but I, I, so my wife and I, maybe you're a little bit used to things here in George. My wife and I moved here uh, just under a year ago, but we, we just, there's times where it feels like heaven is just so close. God is ready to pour himself out. There's um, one of my favorite preachers is, is Corne Becker. Uh, he, he's South African living in the States, and he, he always speaks at our show for conferences, and he, he speaks about the fact that in the earth, there's these thin places where heaven is just so close to earth. He had an experience like that when he was a bit younger. He, he was trying to run away from God, and he went to some, like, thousand-year-old church in Italy, and he was sitting there trying to run away from God, and he just walked into this place, and he encountered the presence of God, this thin place where for a thousand years people have been meeting with Jesus. And I really, I truly believe that George is a thin place. 
there's something that God is stirring here. There's something that God is busy moving with. And what I want to ask tonight is, are we ready for it? Are we expectant for it? Are we hungry for it? Do we truly want revival? And that's what we're speaking about with the series, is we're asking how do we pursue it? And, and in, I guess as important, how, do we, how does it become sustained? You know? We're not just interested in revival for us and for our lifetime, but I want our kids and our kids' kids to be reaping the fruit of what God is going to be starting, what God is starting to do right here and right now. That they would look back on these days and say, oh, our grandparents, they were part of that move of God. Who wants to be a part of that? Eh? And tonight, I'm mostly going to be sharing about, about worship and revival. And I'm, I love the fact that we've, we've already shared the most powerful, what I, I believe the most powerful key for revival uh, with our first sermon series this year when we spoke about Jesus as our first love. That surely must be the most powerful key for revival is, is Jesus is our first love. And uh, I think it's so powerful that we have the first love series next to revival and reformation because they keep flowing into one another. Jesus is our first love. Revival is going to come. And Jesus must remain our first love in, re in revival because revival without Jesus as our first love would be idolatry. Where we actually love our, our miracles and we love our ministries and we love our NGOs and everything that happens in revival more than we love Jesus. Where we love our contribution more than we love Jesus. The stuff that we get to do for Jesus. And I'll be honest, I've been there. I've, I've done that many times. It's, it's awesome to be used by God and to, to, to be doing things for God, but sometimes I can love those things more than I love Jesus. The, the word that, that the Holy Spirit kind of dropped into my heart for, for today was the primacy of Jesus. And it's not a word that I, I use every day, so I went to go and look it up again. And when we're speaking about the primacy of Jesus, we're speaking about the preeminence of Jesus. He is before everything else. He is first. He is most important. He is the highest authority. And we keep Jesus and what he did on the cross at the center of everything that we do. I think sometimes we maybe have this idea that kind of salvation through Jesus and the gospel message, that's like Bible school one. As um, Mirake was speaking about, we've got three levels of Bible school, and kind of you come to Bible school one, and you've you experienced salvation, and you're set free through the gospel. But now you want to move, move on to deeper, more complex things. But there's nothing deeper, there's nothing more profound than the gospel message. It is the most profound thing. It's the most profound part of our faith. The fact that God, who needed nothing, would empty Himself. To leave heaven, to come to earth, to live amongst us so that he would die for people who didn't even want him. So that he would do what we could never hope to do, which is to create peace between us and God. And he would give us the grace to do things we could never hope to do, which is to change the world. That's the gospel message. He's come to save us. And 
We never get tired of that message. That message is central to everything that we do. That message is the center of our revival. That message is central to every, the way that we live our lives. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of that, um, that deliverance that happened where the school was being delivered from all these demons. At one point, there was one demon that was putting up a bit of resistance. And then Armour just said, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you to sit there on that chair and I'm going to preach the gospel to you. And you can imagine what that demon did. It was, it was not happy, but it had to sit there. Because of the authority of Jesus, it had to sit there and listen to the gospel message. How powerful is that? We could say, you know what? God the Father loves Hannah. And he loves Hannah so much that he would send his son to die for Hannah if Hannah was the only person living on earth. That is how much he loves Hannah. And he died for Hannah so that she could be completely free from everything that she's experienced in the past. And then, of course, after that, then the demon left. The power of the gospel. The power of the message of salvation. And so everything that, that comes with the revival is awesome. The miracles and the signs and the wonders, they're awesome. And they're, they're evidence of the glory of God. But the greatest evidence of the glory of, of God is Jesus himself. John chapter 1, the Word made flesh, who came to dwell amongst us, who came to show us God's glory. Jesus is the greatest glory of God, and we will not have revival unless we love the presence of God more than anything else. And I think sometimes we, we maybe think a love for the presence of God is, is kind of reserved for the creative people on stage, the painters and the worship team, and maybe the prophetic people in church, the ones who wave flags and the, the ones who, the intercessors, the Tani Renals and the Tani Annamaries, that, that they have the special place of, of loving the presence of God. But that is an invitation for each one of us. God says that we are all his royal priesthood. We are all his priests who have been called to minister to him. Each one of us, he wants each one of us to be able to minister before him. I've been, I've been working my way through the Psalms the last few months, and, and I think one of my favorites, well, the one Psalm that for me so beautifully describes the heart of David, and I think you'll agree with me, David had that heart that, God, I love your presence more than anything else. And uh, I think the Psalm that, that just defines that so beautifully. Psalm 27, verse 4, where he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, God. I just want this one thing. And of course, I'm sure David wanted other things as well. I'm sure he wanted his... This morning I said wife, and then I realized it's wives <laughs> to be happy. <laughs> I'm sure he wanted his kids to, to do well and to succeed at Jerusalem High or wherever they went to school. <laughs> Mount Zion Technical School. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he, he wanted these things. But, it's, but he protected that place of primacy in his heart. We compare to everything else. God, there's one thing that I want. 
if I have to compare with everything else, there's one thing that I want. Jesus, you are preeminent. You are first. And revival is always going to include coming back to worship that's in spirit and in truth. And specifically that, that truth element of worship, that's just going to be so much more crucial in the days going, going ahead because would you agree with me, truth is becoming a very fluid concept. Where, flu, where, where, where truth is, you know, depends who you ask and it depends on your experience. But revival is about coming back to worship that's in, in spirit and in truth. And revival is only pure it's only true when it flows out of the presence of God. The, the, the picture that I have for this is um, I love running. and I love running in the mountain. And uh, there's a reward for runners in the mountain. And that's that you get to drink from mountain streams. There's, there's really nothing like it. You know, when you're hot and you've been running for a long time, and then high up you get to a place where there's just this stream of water. And it's just so awesome because it's... You, you don't have to wonder, you know, is this water clean? Can I drink it? You just know it's so pure. I can just drink this. And it's ice cold and it's refreshing. But if you want to drink that water, you need to go up the mountain. And Scripture often speaks about, you know, ascending the hill of the Lord. It speaks about coming up to, climbing the mountain. In a sense, it's this analogy of coming into the presence of God. When lost, did you ascend the mountain? When last did you drink that pure water of his presence? I, I have my, um, my kind of de- devotions in the morning. I sit on the couch in our lounge. And we live not too, not too far from here in a complex. Very nice complex, nice people and everything. Um, but the one thing with the complex is it's, it's a lot of brick. It's like the, the, the walls are face brick and the houses are face brick and even the, the road is brick. So it's just like brick everywhere. <laughs> brick. And, um, and there are these people, who, as I sit there having my devotions, there's people who do exercises in the morning. They do these circuits. So I think if you go around the whole complex, it's probably 500 meters or something. So they do like 10 circuits. And... Um, and I'm sure they're very good, legitimate, I'm not bashing them at all, I'm sure they're very legitimate reasons for doing that. But there's a part of me that just wants to open the window and like scream at them, there's a mountain behind you. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you staying in the safe confines of the complex, walking the brick roads when you can go just a little bit that way and you can be on the mountain? I think so many times we're just so comfortable doing our circuits in the complex. When there's a mountain God wants you to explore, that promise of His presence, that promise of that pure water that we can drink. I'm speaking a lot about worship tonight, but obviously it's prayer and it's worship. The two go hand in hand. It's, it's both about communion with God, communing with God. Prayer always leads to worship. Worship always leads to prayer. But uh, as we're speaking about revival and worship, the one thing I've been thinking about is, is just the power of uh, what revival, what influence revival has on worship and, and even musical expressions of, of worship. So, so one of the revivals that, that really had a huge impact on me personally was 
kind of in the 60s and the 70s, the, there was the hippie movement, obviously. But then kind of parallel to that, there was this real move of God, the Jesus movement, where just people were getting saved and set free and, and just a bunch of people kind of going against the cultural norm. And during that time, as the Jesus movement was, was kind of gaining momentum, there was, there was churches, the, the vineyard churches that started to, to come out. And I mean, there were other churches as well, but they really, they, they started to, to write songs that were kind of became the songs of that revival. And it was such a huge shift from what was being sung before. And uh, in fact, those songs from the 60s and 70s, they, they changed the, the, actually, the kind of the, the songs that we sing today, they all, so many of them have their heritage, like, in those songs, where, where suddenly we, we can sing not just about the love of God, but we can sing, Jesus, I love you. I don't like that song. <laughs> so instead of just singing about the love of God, I can sing, Jesus, I love you, and Jesus, you love me. It was this massive shift to this personal, intimate type of language that we can use in our songs. I remember growing up in church in the 90s, we used to still sing those songs then. And uh, there is none like you. Close your eyes and sing with me. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. And I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. You remember those songs? Impacted by those songs? Keith remembers those songs. <laughs> Keith Green in church. <laughs> a little bit later, um, Vineyard also released other songs and, and albums that had such an impact on me. Who remembers Hungry? Hungry, I come to you. That one. And breathe. You are the air. This is the air I breathe. I'm desperate for you. Just this beautiful language, which that's the power of song, is it gives us the ability to articulate what's in our heart towards God. I still remember coming through to George to come. There's a little Christian bookstore in the middle of, of town. I bought my Hungry album. And uh, back when we had CDs. And uh, that's, that album had such an impact on me. And what I'm so excited is to see what God is going to do in this next move of God, in the next move of the Spirit, in this next revival. What is worship going to look like then? What are the new songs that are waiting to come out? What's the new expression going to look like? I have a couple of 
hints of ideas, but I don't at all know, but I'm excited to see. Worship shapes us. Worship transforms us. And so the fight is always going to be for the purity of worship. And the devil is going to try his best to distort what worship truly is because he knows the power. Because with worship, when we focus on who God is and what he has done, what does it do? It stirs our faith. I don't know who, who walked in here this evening and you're feeling a little bit nowhere, but as we just sing the truth of who God is and what he's done, and especially when we do it in a corporate setting like this, our faith is stirred and suddenly we realize our God is the God of the impossible. There's nothing that he cannot do. And I really believe that worship has the power to heal people. Not worship itself. Don't, get, don't misunderstand me. We're not worshiping worship. It's the one who we worship. But as we worship him, there's power for people to be healed. There's power for depression to leave, for demons to leave. I truly even believe, and this is a big statement, I truly believe worship can heal our nation. And I believe it's going to be one of the keys to, to heal our nation. The last few weeks in church, I've just had this overwhelming sense of God is here and He is ready to move. And He is available. He is ready to pour Himself out upon us as His children. He's just waiting for us. We're not waiting for Him. We're not waiting for Him to say, okay, now revival. We, he, he's ready to revive us. He's ready to move, to pour Himself out. He's waiting for us. I really want to encourage you, if worship isn't a part of your personal devotions, you're starving yourself. Reading the Word is essential to your walk with God. And prayer, everything, it's essential to your walk with God. But so is worship. Many of you are maybe experiencing a lot of heaviness that you might not experience if you just had to make worship a part of your daily devotions with God. And maybe you can't grab a guitar like I can. You can put a, an, uh, some music on your phone. Or you can grab the Psalms. That's a, such a powerful thing to do. Go open Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. You know, make up your own melody. Just sing the Word of God back to Him. Which is, and actually, one of the most powerful things that you can do is just sing your own words to God. Sing what's going on in your heart. Sing to Him, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, I love you. Just make up melodies. But make worship part of your Walk with God. There was such a powerful moment on the Saturday night of our camp a while back where there was a few words that came out where we really, and uh, this is something we're trusting for, is that even peop people struggling with mental illness would be set free as we worship over them. Do we believe this? I'm trying to stir our faith tonight. Do we believe that somebody can be physically touched and healed in worship? Do we believe that mental illness can be restored as we worship? Even people being saved. Uh, I remember a story of um, several years ago in Stellenbosch, Luke brought a family member to church. And in worship, or actually it was even in praise, in the upbeat part, you know, the warm-up song. She encountered the love of God. She encountered Jesus, and she got saved. Without, without an altar call, without somebody praying for her, she met with God. And I asked, checked with them this week. She's still following Jesus all these years later. How powerful is that? Are we expectant of that? Do we believe that that can happen as we worship together? Amor 
always says it, that if we had to come here as the church, as the body of, of Christ, as brothers and sisters, and if we've actually got faith for God to do what He really wants to do, it's like we're filling this room with gas. There's just gas filling this place. It's just waiting to explode. All it needs is one person to light a match. One person to say, I feel tonight that God wants to remove those who experience, or just remove a spirit of heaviness from people. Boom. That spirit leaves. But we need to come with faith. We need to come with an expectation that that is what God wants to do. There's a few scriptures. I'm not going to read them. Uh, we'll go into them, but uh, just of the power of worship. Hannes, the next one. Um, some, some stories, you know, the walls of Jericho falling and, and David playing for Saul and that oppressing spirit leaving him. And Paul and Silas, they start worshiping in jail and the whole jail shakes and they're set free. And the, I mentioned the upper room there. Obviously, Scripture doesn't explicitly say that they were there worshiping, but they were there waiting with faith, with expectation. And then the Holy Spirit came. I really believe that God wants to even change the direction of businesses as you begin to worship in your business. In schools, the relationships between families as we worship, God wants to come and mend relationships, heal relationships. And um, I think one, the difficult thing with, with going through a difficult time is that so many times it silences us. So many times when we're faced with hardship, when we're faced with heaviness or whatever, we become silent. But that is not the time to become silent. Psalm 142 says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. We need to begin to cry out to the Lord on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of our families, on behalf of our businesses, on behalf of our schools, on behalf of our city, on behalf of our nation, to worship God. And I truly believe that He can change the direction of things just as we worship. So I've got some homework for you. I really want, as we're going to go into a time of worship now, I really want you to, to ask the Holy Spirit, where is the place that I need to go and lift up the name of Jesus? Maybe you need to go home tonight and just in your home. Maybe your kids are having bad dreams at night. You need to just go and worship Jesus in your home. Maybe you need to go to your workplace tomorrow before anyone arrives it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. Put some worship music on and exalt Jesus in that place. I don't know where the place is, but ask the Holy Spirit, where do I need to, where do I need to worship you? You guys can come up. Let's all stand together. Just before the band plays anything, I'd like us just to take a moment to, just to be quiet before the Lord. Might seem like a bit of a contradiction, but there's, there's times to make noise and there's times to be quiet, and both are equally powerful. And I just want us to consider for a second, if God, in His fullness, had to come and show up in this room, how would we respond? If the God of the universe, the God who made everything, every person who's ever existed, 
every mountain, every flower, the one who knows everything, if he had to come and just show up in his fullness in this room, how would we respond? And further than that, how, how would we love the person next to us? How would it change the way we interact with one another if God in his fullness had to come and show up here? There was a, a moment last week I was on the, the worship team and uh, right at the end of the service I came up as the band came up now and um, <laughs> normally I, I hit play on a, on a button on my phone and then it puts a pad on which is like this nice soft gentle sound and I just felt like the fear of the Lord in that moment my finger paused I took it back and I just felt the weight of the presence of God where we don't necessarily need there's nothing wrong with pads and, and music and that it's part of our worship but I think there's also power in sometimes just waiting in silence in the awkwardness embrace the awkwardness <laughs> Because, God, we cannot fake your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you touch us? Would you meet with us? We need you, God. We need you. More than the air that we are breathing, we need you, Holy Spirit. And we wait in expectation. For you to do what only you can do. Won't you just quietly, won't you just quietly in your heart, just say, Holy Spirit, come. Let's open those doors of our houses. Let's say, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. We welcome you. We invite you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. 
every broken relationship. Holy Spirit, come. Every business that cannot survive. Holy Spirit, come. Would you come? Would you come? Holy Spirit, come. We are expectant, God. We are expectant. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Sing, Holy Spirit, Open every eye to see, Holy Spirit. Let's just keep singing that. Let's just keep inviting Him to come. I just want to invite people to come forward. I, be, I believe there's people tonight, you know, you just need a touch from the Holy Spirit tonight. When you just come forward, we're going to pray with you. We're going to expect God to come and touch you. Maybe you're here tonight and you, you know that um, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that you are driving your life, that you are building your own kingdom. Maybe tonight you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe here tonight and you you just experience uh, like that that you've been silenced in your worship you know that god has called you to worship over your family over yourself over your business but you feel like you're you're powerless in that you've been silenced when you come to the front as the band's going to lead us now in a song we're going to worship together and we're going to encounter the the lord together but i just invite you come if the holy spirit is inviting is 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 uh, pressing it on your heart. Don't, I, I, my life was changed this week. Just as I encountered Jesus, as I encountered the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, I, f- I feel like my life was changed and God is wanting that for us tonight. So if you need prayer for anything, please come to the front as the band leads us in worship.